Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast. For this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by John Sharp, the founder of Bill Save. John, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks, thanks a million for having me on. Chuffed to have you, John. Let's spend the first couple of minutes getting to know you, and then we'll get stuck into all the good stuff. So, um, you grew up Dublin. Yeah, Dublin. I grew up in Dublin. What was life like growing up in Dublin? It was uh, it was great. It was wild. I was into you know rugby, sports, drinking, you know, and. Uh, the uh, yeah, it was uh, it was uh, it was wild growing up in the in the eighties and nineties. You know, I left school. Most of my uh, classmates emigrated. Uh, I emigrated too um, when I was nineteen. Uh, came back. Um, you know, nineties in Ireland were um, pretty. Uh, you know, it was like a century ago. You know, mm. um, the. Uh, the so you know there was uh, I got into sales early doors in my career I think uh, I was selling ads for the Garda Journal back in the nineties um, you know I got a I met a girl that was on Set William Street and I met a friend of mine who was in um, in Marlborough recruitment at the time I. Um, and I went from sales into recruitment um, in the nineties, and that was uh, that was around the time I stopped. Uh, I gave up drink back in nineteen ninety nine, and uh, that was it. My career took off from there pretty much. Um, so I think I was in Marlborough three months, and uh, I remember billing um, twenty six grand in the February, I think, of nineteen ninety nine, and. Uh, or maybe February of 2000. And I remember getting my uh, paycheck and I think it was 1800 quid or something like that. And uh, I remember thinking to myself that I wouldn't mind getting onto the other side of that equation, you know? And uh, now it took me a few years and a little bit of uh, mentorship. Um, I was working uh, on behalf of a client, um, a Craig Thomas International, and I was working as a recruiter recruiting a sales guy for them and uh, the, the guy my client got the name John Lynham he was the uh, the MD of Thomas International at the time I remember being really impressed with him and I, I remember thinking you know I, I need to go work with this guy I need this guy this guy is uh, will uh, will take me to the next level and I, I'm true enough I went uh, I, I said to him listen I'm recruiting this job for you but as I'm selling it to candidates I'm uh, I'm selling it to myself more and more. So Thomas International provide uh, personality profiling tools, emotional intelligence tools, you know, uh, you know, uh, aptitude testing and all that kind of stuff. So I went and worked for him and uh, I spent uh, a few years traveling around Ireland, meeting HR directors, um, doing diagnostics on their companies, applying those tools, whether it be in recruitment, uh, training, succession planning, um, whatever it might be. Um, but I remember uh, I, was, I was working with John about three years and it had been a huge, um, you know, uh, period of self-discovery, self-awareness. 
and uh, he came into me one day and he he basically fired me. He just said, "Listen, you know, I was hacking away on cold calls, trying to get meetings to present these tools and all that kind of stuff." And uh, you know, he just uh, pushed me out. He said, "You know, John, you're uh, you're uh, you're wasting this, you know." And um, he pushed me out. And I remember uh, at the time I was sort of to toying with an idea. Uh, of offering a service, a recruitment service that had the personality profiling as a component, mm. right? So um, I remember I, uh, my brother had a small office in, in Rat Mines. He gave me a room, you know, uh, I was trying to get jobs on. I was trying to explain it. And then um, I sent out a broadcast fax in, this is we're up in 2004 now. And this is, I suppose, another big break I got. I got a, I sent out a broadcast fax in 2000, December 2004, and it was offering uh, recruitment services, you know, with, uh, with personality profiling and aptitude testing if you wanted to, you know, so we benchmark your job, screen your candidates, assess them against your benchmark, and only present to you candidates that were, you know, sales guys that were driven, driving, competitive, forceful, direct, friendly, verbal, communicative, you know, independent, strong-willed. All those things um, and i sent out this broadcast fax to every business in ireland on a sunday night so or whatever or whatever the time was i think i don't know if it was a friday or a sunday anyway do you remember i don't know if, you, if you're old enough to remember when uh, the likes of ryanair used to send these broadcast faxes out and you know yeah. you're, you're in the office and you know you get this you know discounts on flights and broadcast faxes were a, were a thing they were an actual way of uh, marketing so i sent this out offering the services and i got one response and it was uh, from a recruitment agency that wanted me to recruit recruiters you know and uh so i was off and running and uh i said listen i don't have a database you know um but what i will do is i've looked at the areas you guys specialize in and what i'll do is i will uh create a list of individuals and i'll i'll go after them and see if we can get them to the table for you you know, and um, they said, well, listen, we've got our own list. So go after those guys there. They gave me a list. I started uh, calling um, and, you know, it was at the time I really didn't have uh, any sense of where we were in economic cycles at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, but we were pretty much, you know, on the run up, you know, it's 04. We're on the we're on the run in here now. The, the bubble is, you know, is uh, the, the 07, 08 uh, financial crisis. The, the bubble is is being inflated rapidly in this period. Now, I wasn't aware of that at the time. In, in retrospect, I can see. But when I started headhunting recruiters, I started getting calls 10 minutes later from the directors of these firms. Hey, you came after our guys. We need guys. Can you come in and talk to us? You know, so before long, um, you know, I was dealing with, you know, all of the top recruitment agencies in Ireland. And I was recruiting recruiters on their behalf. And, you know, that was great. But, you know, um, the you sort of learn the hard way that the you know in something like that the trend it's the trend that's your friend and when I say that I didn't know any any um, any sense of the economic cycle you know uh, I could see that you know agencies were starting to hemorrhage recruiters in the beginning of 2008 they were cutting away all their middle management I was you know couldn't get a CV for loving their money up until 2007 2008 there's avalanches of CVs coming onto my desk and nobody wants to hire anybody, you know? So I tried to pivot at that time from 
rec to rec into legal recruitment. And, you know, I discovered that, you know, this was, you know, uh, the, the reality was legal firms are set up the same as recruitment firms. You've got specialists in areas of specialization. And, you know, uh, when the market turns, you know, all those solicitors doing conveyancing and property deals and all that kind of stuff that they were doing, uh, they have to reinvent as well. And they, a lot of them have moved into big offices. So, uh, so that was, that was, uh, that was uh, that was a bit tough. That that you know uh, that market was dead, you know. And I remember talking to Anne Herdy at the time, um, and I just said, "Listen, it's a dead market." Um, she was talking about her contractors and you know how contractors and recruitment, you know, sort of help see you through the uh, the tough spots. So I was thinking, you know, sort of what kind of contractors can I get on? You know, what can what can I do here? So the a friend of mine, uh, Brian Rooney, who's my still my business partner today, he came into, um, he had an idea uh, about setting up a sales agency and we, we fleshed it out. And Bill Save originally, we were, um, we had done uh, deals with sort of second tier providers in areas like telcos, electricity and gas, uh, waste management. So we were going into business saying, listen, we're in the middle of this recession here now. This is, oh, this is you know, late 08, early 09. We're in this recession here now. We'll go in, we'll send a sales guy in to do a diagnostic on your bills and we'll show you how you can, you know, save money, you know, on your essential services simply by switching service provider. So we had a, we had a, we had a couple of clients we were working with at the time. Uh, we had a couple of, you know, we were taking sales guys on commission only. We would pay them, you know, when they signed up, a, you know, a business to one of our providers. So, you know, you'd go in with electricity, waste. Uh, phones, broadband, mobiles, mm. and give them, you know, different uh, reasons uh, why they should uh, switch each each one. It became it was a little bit unwieldy, a little bit admin heavy, but you know we um, we persevered. And similar to the broadcast facts, one facts, you know, and we there was sort of you know kept us going for. Uh, maybe three or four years in human capital management that you know the, the seed was that broadcast fax and that one fax that landed in that one recruitment agency that the guy picked up there was an email one email that we sent to a guy um uh, in sse and he forwarded it on to someone else cc'd me on it and it just said meet lisa you know so we uh myself and brian went in to meet lisa and she said listen i know it's not your gig um, you're not, uh, you know, door-to-door -door sales, you know, uh, but, you know, would you consider, you know, your backgrounds in recruitment, you know, you're, you're doing all right on this commercial side, would you have a look at the, uh, the residential side for us? Now, Brian had, he had done this when he was in university in the UK. He had uh, worked for one of these firms that did energy switching, you know, mm. um, and he sort of kicked me under the table and, you know, sort of, you know, yeah, we will do this, you know? Um, so we went away and we were given, what were we given? We, I think we were given County Meath. And at the time there was lots of other agencies working with, uh, working with Airtricity as they were called at the time. And, and then they, um, you know, they had lots of other agencies that were uh, working with them. They gave us County Meath. Over the course of time, we sort of, Elbert O.A. Into, into Dublin a little bit. They gave us North Dublin. They gave us Dublin 13, Dublin 17. And, you know, all of the time we were sort of, you know, Brian was coming from financial services, mortgages. You know, I was, you know, dealing with top-tier recruitment firms. So we were sort of putting a little bit of polish on an industry that 
you know, didn't have much polish on it. Door-to-door sales, the guys meeting in car parks, you know, going out. We were putting branding on it and, you know, uh, you know, geo-mapping systems, handheld devices, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, so over the course of time then, we managed to elbow all of the uh, other agencies out of the picture just on, on performance. Um, I think around uh, 2016 then, um, you know, we got, we got a little bit of a wake-up call. They, you know, they split the territory, brought in another agency, you know, that would have been regarded as the sort of, you know, the Real Madrid of agencies in, in, in Ireland, you know. Um, but we had the advantage of that, you know, we'd been there, we'd sort of grown in terms of the, you know, the, the, the demands of the client, the compliance, you know, all that kind of side of things. Um, so, you know, we, we got tested between sort of 2016 and 2018. They put us toe to toe with a with a very polished outfit. Um, and we came through that. So, you know, I suppose, you know, uh, where we arrived at just at the beginning of um, at the beginning of the lockdown, sort of March, March 2020, we had about 115 employees um, and they were all field sales, all field based. Uh, we had five offices around the country and, you know, a fleet of cars on the road um, and we uh, we shut it down. Uh, we uh, we had to shut it down. So the that forced us into uh, you know uh, looking at uh, you know remote call center business. You know, so we took on a platform. Uh, we started migrating some of our field sales guys into uh, into call center kind of stuff, and uh, you know uh, started sort of really you know really had a bit of time to think about you know. Uh, what our vision for the future might be in relation to this business. You know, what, what is our product? What do we sell? You know, we sell sales as a service, you know, and uh, whereas we had, you know, sort of a couple of channels we operated in, you know, sort of residential events, you know, B2B, you know, it's all, it was all field-based. So, you know, the blessing of the, um, of the lockdown was that it forced us to look into, uh, call center and remote call center and we have an alumni we've had i think there's about three and a half thousand people have worked for us since 09 and uh, we've got guys we've had no problems we've been able to set up uh, pieces of business in you know with our alumni in in bosnia in uh, with guys operating uh, for us uh, in india and uh, and south africa you know and it's all the same platform you know you log in plug in plug in your earphones and uh we'll uh, we'll channel through the leads to you you know and uh, it's an auto dialer you know it's been uh, so it's it's something we wouldn't have done without 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 the time to uh, reflect you know the lockdown sort of thing so you know we want to be able to offer uh, sales as a service you know one sales guy you know a call center uh, uh, you know a, a feed on the streets sales team whatever it might be that would be uh, you know that's our gig that's 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 what that's what we've evolved so we sort of you know, personally, I went from, you know, independence, working on my own as a, you know, a rec to rec guy, you know, with maybe one person working in admin to, you know, we've had 100 employees plus, you know, now since probably, you know, maybe 2018, something along those lines, you know. Wow. Um, you, you, you mentioned recruitment uh, a couple of times in the last yeah. few minutes, and um, I've chatted to uh, uh, probably over 110 entrepreneurs on this podcast over the last six months. And something that's come up time and time again is around 
recruitment. And one of the questions I ask is, do you have a method for when you're recruiting? Because that is an important thing to nail on with onboarding as well. But a lot of them say they do it off good feel. So what's something that you think a uh, number of entrepreneurs and founders and MDs miss when they take the approach of just good feel? Yeah, I think they, they miss quite a bit because, you know, you know, you're dealing with personality, you know, uh, if you're mm-hmm. just going on good feel, you know, so, you know, if you're dealing with an introvert, he may not, you know, come across great, but he could be brilliant at the role, you know, similarly, you know, in sales, we find a lot of, you know, extrovert kind of individuals, you know, extrovert is a double edged sword. Yes, you know, a lot of extroverts are great communicators, um, but the corollary is a fear of rejection, you know. So you want to sort of use some kind of a tool to assess whether or not their, you know, fear of failure will outweigh their fear of rejection. You don't want a, a sales guy who's afraid to pick up the phone. And there's plenty of those, you know, or a sales guy who's afraid to knock on the door, or have a door slammed in his face, you know. So, you know, good feel is, uh, you know, good feel. A lot of people have a great sense for good talent, you know. A lot of people have a, a great sense for good talent, but you can augment that with, little personality profiling tools, you know, you can augment it with, with personality profiling tools, you know, references, you know, are, you know, are great. You know, a person can tell you, listen, I'm i uh, I'm A1, but you'd rather hear from someone else, you know? So, you know, a little, a little call into the, uh, like references, personality profiling. Like I think the, the recruitment piece is a, is a pie, you know, and you, you gotta have different, yes, you have the meeting, the interview, you know, get a sense for the guy personally, you know, but you can also, you know, you can also find out, get a blueprint of his personality, measure that against the needs of the job. You can test their, mm. you know, emotional intelligence. You can test their, you know, aptitude. You can figure out how much, you know, mental horsepower a guy has before they come work for you, you know, because, you know, and you, you learn the hard way, you know, like you get good talent into a role, you know, and, you know, the role, you know, can have exponential impact on the, on the business in terms of the, the, the contribution of the individual. But if, if you get, you know, poor talent, you know, or, or someone that's at the lower end in terms of fluid intelligence or mental capacity or the workload they can take on, you know, it ends up getting a little bit emotional because, you know, you, you, you know, in, in small businesses, you know, you like people, you know, you want to help mm-hmm. people. You don't want to get, you don't want to fire someone because, you know, they're not what you, you know, they're not the superstar you expected, you know, you expected them to be, you know, so you can get lumbered, you can get lumbered with poor talent in a business and, you know, it's, uh, it's dangerous, you know, it is, it's dangerous, you know, especially in, especially in roles like, you know, uh, recruitment, you know, or, you know, key account management or, you know, any of those roles yeah. whereby there can be issues um, that can have a huge impact on the business down the road. Like it, it, it may be just a, you know, just a, missing something here or there or, or not tuned yeah, into an opportunity, opportunity. missed opportunity, mm. you know, missed uh, nuance, you know, and really bright people that are really switched on, you know, they can, you know, they can sniff out nuance and they can, you know, if, if they get a scent for, a, for, for where a deal or a close or something is going or they find a hot button, you know, they can, they can hone in on that where, you know, you know, you, you, you could find a lot of people in roles that just, you know, aren't at that level and they you know they just see things at face value you know um so that's the danger in recruiting without you know maybe having a deeper little uh, a deeper delve into what's what's across mm-hmm. from you you know so touching on that 
uh, flipping on its head, what's a skill that when you started out in business that uh, you mightn't have been so great at, but was critical to improve on if you were to stay in your role as founder and, and, and lead a, a thriving business? Uh, listening. I was a very bad listener, you know, and I took that as an insult uh, when I was told, you know, you're a bad listener. Um, I had to look up, and this is, uh, I had to look up empathy in the dictionary um, when, uh, you know, I was, um, you know, when I, when I was younger, you know, I, you know, I was just a, you know, a typical, you know, driven sales guy, look, looking to hit numbers, looking to, you know, uh, you know, uh, I was looking to hit big numbers so that I could cut corners in other areas when I was working in businesses, you know. So I was, I was given a, I was given an example, you know, I think one day uh, my uh, wife got clamped, you know, I think she was my girlfriend at the time, uh, you know, she got clamped and um, I think, uh, you know, she rang me in work to say she got clamped, you know, I think I might've said something like, you know, why didn't you put the money in the meter, you know, <laughs> or something along those lines, right? But, you know, she already, she already knew she had the feeling of arriving back to her car being clamped. You know, she didn't need me, you know, telling her what she should have done. What she rang me for was an, an oh no, you know, and, uh, mm. you know, the, the correct, the correct response when you're, when your uh, partner tells you she's been clamped is to give her a hug and make her a cup of tea. You know, that's, that's, that's empathy. That's listening. You know, it's, mm. it's not, uh, you know, telling people what they should have done you know it's trying to feel how that experience made them feel and you know uh, and relating to that because that's why they're telling you you know to, to share how they felt you know so in a lot of um uh, so listening would have been um one of the things you know empathic listening and uh you know uh, just just trying i have to, i have to to try to be uh you know empathic considerate and I have to, uh, I'm getting, I'm getting all right at it now, but, you know, to understand the impact that my behavioral style has on people around me, you know, um, is, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, I don't, uh, uh, lose the cool, you know, um, hardly ever, you know? Yeah. Um, what's your favorite I, aspect of, of being your own boss? Have you got one? Um, my favorite aspect um, well, I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel like I'm a boss. I feel like more of a servant, you know, I feel like, uh, that, um, because it's still, we still have clients, you know, and we still have clients that have corporate standards, you know, so we're still, you know, there's not, it's not like we're free of, you know, um, you know, we still have clients with, with, you know, uh, huge, uh, compliance rigors, you know, that we would have to adhere to, you know, we've still got to go through, you know, all of the, you know, uh, you know, we still have to toe the line, you know, in terms of that. Um, but I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, fairly, you know, uh, uh, I would say, you know, unemployable, you know, uh, in terms of, um, you can curse in this podcast if you want to. You don't right, know. Okay. Yeah, no, no, but it's just, you know, little, you know, I, I I would quickly, you know, I have in the past, you know, I would identify, you know, maybe bosses that I might not, 
respect. I would see, you know, holes in their game and, you know, that would, that would be it for me, you know, um, mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, you know. Um, so, you know, I suppose, you know, you're, you're your own boss, but you're, you're still answerable. You know, you're answerable all around the place to, you know, lots of different people, you know, and it's not that you get more time off or, you know, you guess uh, you can do as you, as you, as you wish. You've just got to, uh, you know, you've got to tell the line, but, you know, um, it's just, uh, it just suits me better. You know, it just suits me better to, uh, to, um, to be calling the, you know, to be calling the shots. Yeah. You know? uh, no, I get that. You know, I've, I've got two questions left for you, uh, John. The second last one is what's your, what's your definition of success? Well, my definition of success would probably be to uh, my definition of success. It's funny because it's it's being able to uh, do your work by without uh, you know having to uh, like automation is my idea of success, right? Automation, right? To automate income streams to, you know, get work, you know, to get work done, you know, uh, you know, repetitive work to find a way to automate that, you know, if I can get mm-hmm. tasks off my desk and the work still gets done, you know, um, then that, that's a huge success for me, you know, like just to be able to figure out a way to automate something, be it onboarding or payroll or, you know, paying the guys or any of that kind of stuff to be able to just find a way that's, that's, uh, you know, that does that and you're, you're, you know, to, to, to put yourself in a position where you're completely redundant, but the business is still, you know, uh, the business is still, you know, flourishing, you know, that would be, that would be my idea of success now would be to, uh, to get, you know, everything off my desk, all the tasks I have associated with existing businesses and delegated, you know, processes automated, and then, you know, you can uh, get out of the business and start looking at, you know, building on your vision, you know? Nice. If you were given the final decision-making power to add a mandatory subject to the secondary school curriculum that's not currently on it, what would it be and why? Um, I don't know about a subject, but I, I found, um, like, there's a lot of, uh, I have a dog and he needs, uh, he's very energetic, you know, and he needs, mm-hmm. uh, he needs a, a couple of walks a day, you know, so when I'm walking the dog, I would... Uh, I would listen to uh, audiobooks and uh, there's been a few that you know I think would make uh, good you know young if I had known some of the you know had I had some of the tools from say you know uh, meditations by Marcus Aurelius like that's like there's a couple of there was a couple of things that got me through the the lockdown just little quotes but that stoic philosophy is uh, you know dealing with loss dealing with you know things that happen to you your attitude to you know when someone wrongs you or you know your attitude to bad luck you know all those kinds of things i think uh are uh you know if i had had them at a younger age i may not have uh you know worried or stressed so much i just would have had a, a better self-talk so you know i think somewhere along the line meditations by marcus aurelius needs to get onto the onto the leaving certificate you know and you know there's uh like other stuff you know in history you know we, we go through whatever the world wars and Napoleon and Churchill, but like, you know, Napoleon and Churchill 
their comebacks. I didn't learn about their comebacks. You know, they they had some of the greatest comebacks. You know that uh, that you know history has ever spoken about. And you talk about being in a bad spot. You know, the first time uh, Napoleon was exiled onto uh, some island in the Mediterranean, you know, he was able he was able to get the guards on side onto his philosophy. He was able to escape. And he was able to get onto mainland France. And he had, I think, a 400-mile walk to France, right, to uh, mm -hmm. go back to the Tuileries. Um, and he was able to, along the way, uh, he was able to, along the way, um, get the support of about 30,000 men. Now, this is, you know, this is in whatever, the three centuries ago. And he, he was able to march on France, on Paris, and you know, dethrone the, the the recently reinstalled royalty and place himself back at the head of the country. You know, so you know that now he was he was he was emboldened, obviously, and and you know, obviously, Waterloo happened after that. It didn't turn out so well, but in terms of you know, you know, uh, you know, you talk about businesses going pop or you know people losing jobs or you know uh, bouncing back from adversity. You know, that's a great example, um, and that's not something that that we talked about in, in history. I don't ever remember learning that at school, you know, you know, I don't, we don't do much on Winston Churchill, but he was, you know, in the wilderness years, 10 years, you know, he was, he was, uh, he was broke from, you know, uh, speculating on the stock market. He had to write, you know, a book about his early life or something like that, just to, uh, you know, the down payment on a book, he nearly lost his house, all that kind of stuff like these, you know, how these guys, you know, hustle when the pressure is on, you know, um, the, uh, if I had uh, if I had to um, you know give young people tools um, you know it would be you know dealing with adversity dealing with setbacks attitude to look uh, you know and you can get great examples from uh, from these giants of history and uh, you can get great examples of ways to uh, deal with fate you know uh, mm. from uh, from uh, meditations by Marcus Aurelius. We'll great, great book. We'll, we'll finish up here. I, I know that you mentioned audiobooks and Napoleon. Uh, you gave a list and I'll link it below wherever you're listening to this uh, about your favorite audiobooks of 2020. And you said on the Napoleon, the man behind the myth, uh, your quote was uh, Napoleon made me reevaluate my definition of hardship and what a man can endure and achieve when on a mission. So yeah. for those who want the full list of those eight or, or sorry, nine books, the audio books that you mentioned, I'll leave a link to um, John's LinkedIn uh, profile below. But um, John, thanks for spending 30 minutes with me today uh, to learn a little more about you and your success in business and some of the challenges you've overcome. It, it, it's, been, it's been a pleasure spending those 30 minutes with you and I wish you continued success. Thank you, Ryan. Very much appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. If your metro don't trust you, I'm gonna show you Beautiful morning, you're the sun of my morning, baby